Hello and welcome to another edition of Resident Advisors Exchange Podcast. I'm Martha. Thanks for choosing us. This podcast brings you behind the scenes of the electronic music world. And today's episode is all about the tangerine queen herself, DJ, producer, life and soul of the party. It's Shanti Celeste. I had really bad imposter syndrome and it took me a while to get to the point where I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do what I want and what I feel because it's okay because I'm here for a reason. Fresh from her Hessel audio release, this conversation with Shanti covers creativity and confidence, visibility and autonomy. I really hope that you enjoy this one. I'm wishing you a wonderful listen to Shanti Celeste on RA's Exchange. The very warmest of welcomes to the exchange, Shanti Celeste. Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to um, get to know you a little bit better today. Um, we're going to be hearing all about DJing and lots of other things. But first, I was wondering if you could take us all the way back and share with us an early memory that you have that is connected to sound or to music. Um, I feel like it was when my stepdad moved into my house with my mom and he had all these tapes and one of the tapes was like Alanis Morissette <laughs> so I used to listen to that tape a lot and then I started getting really into tapes and cassettes and then I bought a Shakira cassette her first ever album I bought that in cassette with the pink cover and I bought a five cassette uh oh no no actually five was on cd yeah five I feel like those were the main ones, to be honest, because I didn't really have a lot of money and mom didn't have a lot of money. So didn't have like lots of money to spend on these things. Often when I have these chats, there's like a, a person in someone's life that emerges as like a big influence musically. Um, was there someone for you? What, from that time when I was younger? More in the teenage More years. in my teenage years. Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. When I was a teenager, I was really into like punk and like rock and like pop punk and scar and stuff so it's like I guess maybe the way that led me into the music I like now is through like scar turning into like enjoying dub and like reggae and stuff like that and then going to like dub nights in like Leeds and stuff like that and then through those clubbing experiences hearing drum and bass and then through that then like discovering like house and techno um not because they're linked but just because through the experience of being in a club okay so we know you was collecting your tapes and your cds and then in leeds you was getting more into clubbing and music mm -hmm. when did you first have a go at djing i had a go at djing first because i had a friend who had some turntables and i had started going to a few raves um in this place called troutbeck quarry which was really close to where my school was and people would throw raves there and they'd play like speed garage and like drum and bass and jungle and one of my friends yeah he had some turntables and he was like a real collector um of like like a lot of like house records lots of like minimal and like um like Detroit stuff as well and I think I had a go at mixing when I was at his house for the first time and it was really hard and there was like I think there was like four or five boys in the room and I was the only girl and um 
definitely felt a bit nervous. I was definitely stoned as well, so that probably added to the nerves. <laughs> and but then they actually like taught they actually taught me. Um, so it was the kind of nerve wracking to be in that environment, but also like I was being motivated and taught to learn this thing that I all of a sudden realized I had an interest in. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And let's stay with your journey into DJing. Um, how long would you say that it took from that first go to where you're at now to like find your voice with DJing and feel like, yes, I know what I'm bringing to my sets? A long time, <laughs> a very long time. So that was, I was, I think maybe 17, 18 around that time. Then I bought some turntables, was DJing in my bedroom, like when I was just DJing in clubs, not professionally, just for friends, I was still very much, I, I always knew the energy that I wanted to bring, but I never knew how to how to create that energy because I feel like knowing how to create the energy that you in your mind envision in a club takes a lot of practice and knowledge of of the different styles of a very specific type of music. Um, so it's very niche and it's like, you know, it's like I had, I have now got to the point where I think about energy quite a lot and I, rather than thinking in genres, even though like, yes, I do play mostly within one genre, I don't really think about it as like, I'm going to play Deep House today or I'm going to play House today. It's like, I think about like building and releasing tension and like making sure that I stay in a specific energy level. Um, and if I dip that level, I do it on purpose because then I want to build it back up. And I think about that more than anything else. Oh, and like, and, and also energy, but then also like feeling. So it's like, do I want this to be euphoric? Do I want this to be a bit more of a like thoughtful moment and blah, 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 blah. Whereas like before, I think I knew that I, I knew the energy I wanted to bring, but I didn't know how to do that. Cause I was just thinking about everything in terms of genre. So I'd be like, oh, well, you know, if I play techno, this is this. And then if I play house then it's a bit more like this, how can I play both or like, and it just, um, it took me a while to get to the point where, where I was finding the right kind of tunes to marry everything together and for everything to have a cohesive flow without getting so bogged down uh, with terminologies and, and genres, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It's more about letting go of those labels and just holding on to the essence of how the song makes you feel. The essence of how the song makes you feel and the energy that it brings, because at the end of the day, like when you're DJing in clubs and festivals, you have, you're responsible for the energy, you know what I mean? So it's like, and I keep saying the word energy because it's just like, I mean like, as in like energy levels, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's, it's about just thinking about the overall um, flow of energy than just like what genre something is because you might be like oh yeah techno is really energetic and it's really fast but you might play a techno tune that actually completely kills the vibe because this, it's not the right energy you know what I mean and actually instead of that techno tune you could have played a house tune pitched all the way up that brings like the level of energy that you were looking for to begin with does that make sense mm. yeah yeah but having that confidence to experiment like that comes from the knowledge and the experience maybe exactly I didn't have the confidence to do that before I had really bad imposter syndrome and it took me a while to get to the point where I was like do you know what I'm just gonna do what I want and what I feel because it's okay because I'm here for a reason um but yeah, that's why it's like, it's 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 experience, um, it's time, it's like knowledge, but it's also like 
really linked in with your confidence and your self-confidence and like just realizing that like if you're if you're getting booked to play these places it's because people want to hear what you have to play and you don't need to feel you don't need to feel worried and and like and like people aren't gonna I don't know I feel like the biggest stifler for me before I started just completely breaking out of the kind of like genre and like should I be playing this should I be playing that box was thinking that was just overthinking what people would think about what I was playing and was overthinking that people might think that what I was playing wasn't appropriate in that time or like I can't play techno at this time because it's too early or I can't play house at this time because it's too late you know what I mean and just having these like ideas of like what you should and shouldn't do you know what I mean and just it's just, again just all too much in your kind of intellectual brain rather than thinking about how you feel and what you would want to feel and what you would want to hear at that time which it is something that you should consider I think sometimes when you're coming up because sometimes you do need to be considerate of the overall flow of the night um but that's where the experience comes in <laughs> oh it's really hard mm, so what are some things that have helped you let go of those other thoughts and just focus on I'm here for a reason. I know what I'm doing. Therapy. <laughs> Lots of therapy. Uh, just having a really uh, close group of friends who are all kind of in this world do doing what I'm doing and bouncing ideas and feelings back and forth and talking about experiences and what we've learned from our experiences. Um, a lot of therapy focusing around imposter syndrome and realizing that it's actually really, really normal for a lot of people to feel that way in the creative world, or just in, I think just in any world, but I think it happens a lot to creatives. Um, so yeah, a lot of kind of unpacking of like, why do I feel like I don't deserve to be here? And why do I feel like a phony, essentially? Like, what is it that's making me feel that way? And kind of dismantling that belief, you know what I mean? Because where does it even come from? You know, where does it come from? So it's like sussing that out is a long process, but it's definitely helped me. And then again, just like experience and just doing it over and over and over and it just like grinding away at it, having those shit gigs, like feeling a certain way about them, processing them, realizing that it doesn't say anything about you a lot of the time. Sometimes it might, I don't know about, maybe you didn't do the best job you could, whatever. But my point is, is like having those different types of experiences and then learning from them so then you know what to do next time and then you're more prepared preparation again another thing is just like try and just digging every week making sure that you're like you're excited about your tunes that you've got fresh tunes making sure that you know your tunes a little bit at least have your first three or four tracks ready even if you don't end up playing them just have some ready so you know what you're doing and you're not scrambling you're not nervous try and make it as easy for yourself as you possibly can you know mm. I like what you said about processing the gig afterwards because that's the side that we as the ravers and the listeners we don't see that mm. um, but it sounds like it's an important part of your process yeah because especially for like shit ones you know because like obviously I've you have good gigs and you're like oh my god that was amazing ah, blah 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 and then like you kind of go away and you just have this memory of this 
beautiful experience that you have and you feel really good about it because you're just like, wow, I did such a good job, blah, blah, blah. God, I'm amazing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But you do have those feelings and you feel like really great about yourself, but you also need to, you need to not just focus on that feeling and you need to also focus on like, what is it? Apart from the fact that you did a good job, what allowed you to do a good job? You know what I mean? Like, and it's the same with a bad gig. You know what I mean? It's like so many things have to come together for a gig to be really good and you can you can do your part which is prepare dig feel good about your set because if you feel good about your set and you're playing really well and you're enjoying what you're doing the crowd is going to see that they're going to feel it and they're going to vibe off it but also like is the sound good the sound is so important if the sound isn't good and people are talking over it and you can hear people talking over it it's such a vibe killer like it's so 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 important to me that the sound is good like it's obviously important to everyone but I feel like you know, so it's like you doing your part, the sound, the sound, so the the club doing their part, the monitoring being good, so that I as a DJ can hear what the people outside are hearing. Otherwise, if the monitor isn't good, the monitoring isn't good. Sorry, um, then I can't really get a true representation of what the people out there are listening to. Like, you know, also, am I on a stage? What are the crowd like? Is it is it you know is it diverse? Is is it a good demographic? It's just a lot of things that really have to come together. Like, is it a respectful crowd? And sometimes when all of those things come together, you just have this amazing gig. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, the reason this was amazing is because this, 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 and that. And equally, if we're talking about like learning lessons, bad gigs, which like I count my chickens, but I don't count my chickens. I think I've worked so hard to get to this point where I, I don't really have that many bad gigs anymore um but I've had so many bad gigs in my life you know what I mean and at first they were soul destroying and they were almost enough to make me want to quit then it got a bit better you know then it's like some of them you'd be like why am I doing this and then in your mind you're like I'm just not supposed to play a big stage or I'm just not supposed to do this kind of gig because my music my, my music doesn't it's just not what I do kind of thing and there was a lot of that. Um, but the more you do it, you learn from it. You're like, right, okay, well, how can I make it work for this type of situation next time and not compromise my artistic, like, um, view, you know? Like, just because it didn't work for me this time, that doesn't mean that I'm not, to play, I'm not supposed to play that kind of stage. It just means that, like, maybe some things outside of my control didn't come together or I could have maybe been a bit more prepared and done a better job you know what I mean so you just then you think about that for the next time and then the next time it's not quite as bad and then the next time it's less bad and then or well, sometimes it's even worse but then you kind of start to realize that maybe that one was completely out of your control mm. does that make sense yeah it does and actually there was a question that I was thinking of asking you which is um where are you most comfortable you know are you comfortable DJing a festival a, a club doing radio but actually maybe it's it's not about that it's about doing what you need to do for yourself so that you can be comfortable in any of those settings yes but that is still a very good question because I used to feel like I I was I remember once I played at Primavera uh and I played after DJ Seinfeld and DJ Seinfeld had this like huge crowd and then as soon as I came on like everybody left like everyone and I was like and this was um maybe my third year where I was being booked for to play like kind of slightly bigger festival stages and yeah I was playing a lot of those stages and I was I was like really not used to it and I remember I came on and like everybody left and it was on it was just oh it was 
just awful. I hated I hated every second of it. It was just grueling. Like some people would arrive who there was people there who wanted to see me so they came. Um but I just really really struggled. I didn't know what to play. I was questioning every single track that I was putting on because I just didn't think they were enjoying it. Um in hindsight now, I would be like, "Oh, it was just, you know, I rationalized it shortly afterwards." But now if I had that kind of situation, I'd be like, doesn't matter what I play they're just not here for a different reason you know what I mean it's not because it's not because I'm playing this or because I'm playing that um but anyway um and then when I finished playing I just like just, I just burst into tears and like into my agent's arms I was just like Wah! <laughs> it was really sad it was when I just I hated it so much and then I remember speaking to a few people who then were just like you know you need to get used to just playing these stages and in my mind I was like I'm never going to be that kind of DJ it's just not the DJ that I am I play this type of music I play house and like this is what I do and like it's never going to suit a big stage you know what I mean but actually like I think in my mind at that time I thought that like I would never like music that was made for a big room because in my mind that would be commercial or something uh, or like again just lack of experience and lack of knowledge but then I realized that actually it's not about, it's just a bigger stage requires like, yes, it requires more energy. It requires like more euphoria, but you can still find that and like it and then play it. You know what I mean? Just because it requires more of those things doesn't mean that it's going to be bad, you know? Um, so I think that's what I learned is that like, yeah, I, I definitely feel the most comfortable in a club because in a club, especially in a small club, I can play whatever I want. You know what I mean? In a club, I can have deep moments and, and I can have like, I can have really weird moments and people will go with it and it's amazing. And you can actually really, really fully express yourself. Big stages, I can't fully, fully express myself, but I can express a side of myself, which I do like, you know what I mean? Which is just the side of myself where I'm just like jumping around and playing like bangers basically. But they're all tunes that I don't really like. So it's like, it doesn't matter. I'm not compromising anything. You know what I mean? So it's just learning. It's learning. Yeah. Like what side of yourself do you, do you need to f channel to play this stage and do a good job? And it takes a while to home in on that. Mm. This is super interesting to hear about. So when you're um, out all summer playing shows every weekend, how do you take moments for yourself? How do you stay to a routine? If you're a person that likes routine, how do you look after yourself? Oh, <laughs> The never-ending struggle for balance. Um, uh, uh, it's a real struggle, really, because um, firstly, I feel, I think summer is very different to winter. Summer season is very intense because you're playing a lot of festivals with friends. So you're on lineups with loads of people you know. So every time you go somewhere, you're like, you know about four people and the likelihood is that two of them are like really close friends with you or something, you know, well, that's my reality anyway. Um, and I also suffer from like quite bad social anxiety. So those two things combined are not great when it comes to like, you know, trying to drink less or do less drugs or, you know, just trying to get less involved in the party because in the summer you're just in this flow of just constantly being around friends and like you want to have fun 
and part of you wants to be able to have this fun enjoying the thing that you love which is music without having to get intoxicated and sometimes that's really really difficult especially when you have really bad social anxiety and you're in these high pressure situations where there's like a lot of people talking to you and wanting your attention and you feel you just feel this kind of like uptightness kind of like not in your stomach that doesn't let you relax mm. and you're just like where is this coming from like why can't I just not feel this way why can't I just feel relaxed in this situation and that's the reality for a lot of people you know what I mean and and I think that's why I think drugs and alcohol are so prevalent like in our scene um and yeah I I think I do a good job of um managing it like I have a lot of fun in the summer but then uh winter season is different because um you're not really you're not really going to festivals and meeting like you're not you're, you're just going to a club and most of the time you're playing by yourself or with one other person who's always who's also trying to take care of themselves um so during the winter like I I don't really drink at my gigs or do anything because I just go there usually I'm on my own I meet the promoter sometimes I have dinner sometimes I don't and I have a nap before my set wake up play go back to bed and that's usually how my weekends go during club season bar the odd one or two where like it's I don't know in London and it's like a bunch of pals are coming and it's like a or maybe panorama bar or something like that which will sometimes be a bit of a party but during the week I just make sure that like I just do I just do loads of exercise and I eat really well like I've been my mum is shouts to my mum <laughs> my mum's a yoga teacher and she is teetotal and has kind of brought me up with that kind of very healthy your body's a temple type mindset and um and yeah and my dad's also very healthy um so I feel like I'm I have the knowledge and the background to be able to um take care of myself quite a lot during the week and be quite like holistic and and I'm just very aware of the implications that like the lack of sleep can have like in my body and I think that like it's good to kind of like be aware of these things and like inform yourself and even if it's even if it makes you feel bad about your habits even if it makes you feel because I think a lot of people within our scene would maybe not want to find out about what sleep what sleep deprivation does to you or like what alcohol does to you or what too much of this does to you because it would mean questioning your whole existence really and, and your whole way of life um, which is really scary and it's really daunting and it would maybe mean taking responsibility for a lot of things and making a lot of changes which are really scary to make and maybe people don't feel like capable of doing but I do think it's really important because it's just, you know, it's um it's a crazy old job and I think it's good to have some kind of balance so that you can have longevity and so that you can continue loving it and doing it and doing it well, you know, and reaching like, you know, like more of your full potential, which, you know, I just feel like there's so many very talented people who, include myself included, even I think about myself and I'm like, I know that I have so much more to give and sometimes I'm like if only I stopped doing so much of this or had a bit more sleep or took a couple more weekends off and I think maybe I could reach the next level of potential that I know that I have you know. Mm. One thing that's just standing out to me as we chat today is like the resilience that it takes to really live this like um, DJ life 
immersively but also with balance um you know because you're obviously traveling all the time meeting people all the time and you said that you're socially anxious sometimes so that's like you know conflicting in a way where do you think that resilience comes from in you Uh, I think the resilience comes from the fact that I just absolutely love my job (laughs) Um, I feel like mm, being in a space where I get to firstly I am socially anxious and I feel like sometimes people get confused as to why I'm a DJ if that's if I'm socially anxious but actually it makes perfect sense because I'm not you know it's like being in a club it's quite you're in your own space you're dancing you're having a moment and you can socialize if you want to but it's it is quite an it's quite an insular experience even though you're all together um if you compare it to a house party say where you'd go and then you'd be talking to loads of different people and everyone's talking to you and you're like meeting people and like constant small talk which is that is literally my worst nightmare I never used to go to house parties for this reason and if I did I'd be extremely anxious and get extremely drunk um and also as a DJ like I go in I'm behind the booth I'm not talking to anyone all I'm doing is I'm just playing music and I'm seeing people like have a amazing experiences um you know reactions and and that makes me that makes me love it so much because I just like I love the fact that like it's like we're all together uh but we're all having our own experience um through music and it can be really therapeutic and it's really beautiful and I like being a part of that and I just love it and I, that's that outweighs the other sides of it. Mm, it mm. makes total sense to me. Um, I was going to ask about uh, SAS. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to tell everyone what SAS is for, the, for those who might not know? SAS is a very unofficial it's not an official thing <laughs> it's not it's become this thing but it's um it was basically just four friends wanting to do a back-to-back and it kind of just spiraled out of control. Um, yeah, it's uh, myself, Shanti Celeste, <laughs> Moxie, um, Peach and Sersha uh, just did a back-to-back a while ago um, for On Loop for Moxie's Night at Block and um, started off a bit rocky, but then it went really well because obviously playing a four-way back-to-back is challenging and it took us a minute to get our groove but then once we did it was like amazing and then everyone and then we decided to do it again but we kind of we set ourselves like we were just like we don't want it to be a thing we just want to we just want to play back to back together because we love traveling together and we're friends um so therefore we're only really going to do it in places where we would all want to go to together as punters because we think it's like amazing you know and, and places that make sense to us so that's what we've done and every time we've done it it's been really special like every I can't I can't even think of a bad one like it's all just been they've all just been like really like amazing um so yeah that's 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 the story of sass <laughs> <laughs> love that yeah I mean it's a beautiful story of of friendship but it I is. think also there's just something really wonderful about seeing you guys on the stage and it it's like <laughs> It's like a, it's such a positive thing to see. And it's like, oh my God, things are actually happening Mm. in the music world. And like women are getting more space to do what they want, not just, you know, go somewhere because they're booked. Like the the kind of autonomy that you're saying that you guys have over those sets is just so powerful. And I love to see that. And um, yeah, it must be quite different from 
what you saw when you was growing up and you might see people in the crowd who are young women looking at you guys like that's that's amazing yeah yeah it's, it makes me feel quite emotional actually even just thinking about it um yeah and to be honest like I think about it but then when people say it back to me I'm I'm, I'm most of the time I'm like yeah actually it's a really powerful thing to see and like um yeah the autonomy that we're basically just choosing where we want to play and people just want us to come and play and you know the people that we get coming to our gigs is just everyone just loves it like they love watching us vibe because we just have such a vibe because we're such good friends I feel like because we're women also we we just compliment each other you know we're playing together and we're not trying to like one-up each other we're not trying to be like well I'm gonna play a bigger banger than you now and then no I'm gonna play the, the, the next big banger we're just like oh what's gonna go into this even if it means that it's like a deeper moment because we're just like we're just trying to th- compliment each other and we have we have each other's backs you know if like if like someone forgets to mix like at sass in um love international like (laughs) i went to the toilet or i did something i basically just left (laughs) and i forgot to tell alice alice that the track was about to run out and alice was like oh shit the track's about to run out but then serena was like don't worry i've got you and then she just had something ready so it was just like you know it's just it's just nice it's like friendship we've got each other's backs and yeah, when I think about it, it's completely different to um to what it was like when I was coming up. Like when I was coming up, I felt somewhat threatened by other women like becoming something because I felt like there was only space for for very few. Um, and I was really trying hard to like to make it. I was I wasn't like I was just working hard at it. You know what I mean and. And then when other women started coming through, my initial reaction was definitely a bit more like, oh no, does that mean they're going to take my place? And then I'm there's not going to be any space for me, you know what I mean? Um, which is really sucks that I had that mentality and it was purely out of feeling protective of what I'd worked so hard to achieve. And I remember having a conversation, I think it was with um, Kaylee um, Avalonimus and, and um, I remember saying how it annoyed me that... Um, that um, on some male DJs um, contracts that said that they wouldn't play on a lineup unless there was at least two other women on the lineup. And I remember feeling like, I don't want to just be booked because I'm a woman. Like that makes me feel so tokenized. And it just, cause that is how it made me feel at the time. And then she was just like, girl, just get over it. <laughs> like, this is a good thing. Just like go with it. It's It's just what has to happen. And it's actually a really good thing. And like, you know, as long as, as long as like, you're not being booked just because you're a woman and you're being booked because you're good. And as long as like the quality isn't, you know, being compromised, then you're actually just like, you're a woman, yes, but you're also sick, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of got over that and now I feel much, now it's like, obviously just don't even ever really think about that. But then yeah, I can see how different the landscape is now compared to um, what it was like. when we think about things like sass mm. but yeah that teething stage of trying to get more women and people of gender minorities into music seems to be you know i just look at sass and i think oh my god we're actually doing something stuff is happening um so it's really nice to see thank you all um <laughs> so you're actually here today because you've got a new record out i know we haven't even talked about it yet but let's I'm talk about it now blabbing <laughs> um Let's talk about production. When did production come into your life and when did you initially dabble 
so when I was working at the record shop in Bristol, um, Idle Hands, I think I was like maybe 22 or something. And I um, was thinking about producing. I'd thought about it a few times. I even had logic on my... I even had this boy that I was seeing um, who was a producer. Um, he helped me and he installed Logic onto my computer at the time, but then I just never used it. Um, I just didn't know how to use it and wasn't really confident. I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do, but it was something that was always in the back of my mind. Um, and then I started working at Idle Hands and um, was DJing a lot and became quite good friends with Chris, the owner, Chris Farrell. Um, and then just through chatting to like DJs and producers that would come into the record shop, became like friends with a lot of, yeah, with a lot of producers and DJs that would come in and if like kind of slowly but surely I felt more and more encouraged to um, start producing. And I, Chris was definitely a huge part of that. He definitely was very encouraging and was always kind of encouraging me to do so. And then I decided to take the plunge and I, did like this 10 week course um, with Logic. Um, it was like, just like 10 weeks, one 90 minute session a week. And then I'd have to go away and like, just practice what I learned. I basically quit my, I think in the, at the time I was working in a cafe or something and I quit, I quit working there and I went on the doll so that I could survive. And then I just started like, just threw myself into it managed to find a studio that was um like really cheap and I was sharing it with a friend um and I was I basically just had no money at all I was just completely skint um but was just like learning how to make music and getting anyone to help me just like borrowing keyboards of friends and getting people to show me stuff and just just like yeah basically making as much stuff as I could and then eventually that resulted in Chris putting out my first record on the BRSDL label that he had with um, our friend Adam so that was my first record and then carried on doing the same and then Chris then put out my second record on Idle Hands then my third one on BRSDL again um, and then yeah and then I then I was I think around that time I did a like an RA mix and then that kind of got me touring a little bit more where I met more people and then more people that had labels and then it just kind of snowballed uh, very like organically really from there. Mm. And that brings us up to now <laughs> where you're releasing with Hessel Audio. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Um, <laughs> can you tell us about this release um, and also is there anything that you would want people to know before they go and listen? Uh, no, no, no. I think I'll tell you about the release um it doesn't come with any warnings uh <laughs> no it's just um it's very playful i would say i made the the a side i made it um the first year of the pandemic uh when i just had a lot of time in my hands it was in the summer it was like yeah summer of 2020 uh and i was actually having quite a nice summer even though it was the middle of the pandemic i was living in broccoli right next to hilly fields and it was Summer of 2020 was really lovely, like weather-wise. Um, so I was spending a lot of time outside. Um, I was also having this kind of lockdown romance. <laughs> um, and this has a bearing on the track because I feel like I was, it was at the moment where I was like kind of the most, like I would say, obsessed. <laughs> um, um, and I was like smoking a lot of weed. 
<laughs> which was a new thing for me because I hadn't smoked weed for like 10 years or something. And well, I had, but like, you know, just here and there. And I was like, I was going through this crazy stoner phase where I was like, just having this romance, smoking weed every day, painting every day, uh, and then making music every day and was just being extremely creative, but in this new kind of hazy, like, I don't know, weird pandemic scenario, which was also like, also had its all of its downsides. Um, but yeah, I made this tune uh, called QT. And it's, uh, yeah, just, it, it's, it was just really fun to make. It was like, I was using, trying to use my vocals a bit, but maybe not singing, just like talking. And it's a really fun tune. And as soon as, soon as I made it, it was one of those where like, I made it and I was like, this is sick. <laughs> I love this. It's really fun. And I really like this. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm just going to sit on it and just whatever, just keep making stuff. But then the pandemic continued. <laughs> and then I had to stop making music for my own pleasure and started doing just remixes because I really needed to get paid. All of the remixes I did, I love. So I don't, you know, it wasn't like a bad thing. I actually really, really love working on remixes. It's really fun. I really enjoy it. So it was also great. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the first, that's the story of the first track. The second track um, actually came about earlier this year, like around May, February, May, I made it. I had been, I made a bunch of tracks towards the end of the pandemic, um, but I sent them, I sent the Hessel boys all of these tracks and the the one that they liked immediately was QT and then the other ones maybe weren't quite for them. I feel like they were everything that I sent them was very housey or like kind of tech housey and I feel like it made more sense for them to release something that was like just not just two house tracks because then I may as well just release it myself. Um so the other side um we wanted to make the other side just a little bit more something not so for four, maybe something a bit more experimental or just a bit, just a different side of me um, than the kind of more housey fun side of me. Um, so I just was experimenting quite a lot. I couldn't get it. I was just feeling very like, Oh, I can't get it right. I just can't do it. For some reason I was like really overthinking it. And then just one day was in the mood and I found a few samples that I liked and just made a bit of a garagey euphoric like broken thing that that they liked so <laughs> and that one yeah that came a lot more naturally and once I got it finished it just made sense mm. and is this a label that you kind of had your eye on hope to release on how did this come about yeah I mean it's a huge label and it had been very inspirational to me like in my formative years especially working in idle hands and like selling the records and listening to the records and owning the records and stuff and at that time, I didn't really know the boys that well. It's just the more I DJed and the more I kind of did the, the rounds, the more I got to know them all better and formed like actual friendships, um, which I feel like then made it, um, it just it just made, made sense for us to do this record at this point because, um, yeah, it was it just came about very naturally. It was like, oh, you, wanna, you should do it. I was like, I want to send you some stuff. Yeah, you should do a record with us. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, we formally would like to invite you to do this. It just, I think it was born out of friendship. And yeah, it just made like, it made, it made sense to do it. Mm, beautiful. Um, let's chat quickly about Peach Discs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe the ethos of the label? The ethos of the label originally 
um, was to release um, younger, like unknown artists. Because I, I felt at the time when I started it, I had some tunes that I didn't know what to do with. There was a couple of tunes that I did really believe in, but like nobody was interested in them. So then I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. And I wanted to incorporate my artwork into it because I really enjoy like doing art. And um, I thought it would just be a good thing to just have like something there that I, if I want to take control of what I'm doing, I can rather than relying on other people liking my music. Because um, sometimes like I liked the music I was making and I was like, well, why, you know, like... So that's kind of why I started it. And I also, at the time, had a lot of friends who were making really great music. So I wanted to give them a platform because I already kind of had one. So um, yeah, that was the original, it still is the ethos now. Um, but as the label's grown, um, I am still constantly trying to find like just newer artists. Um, but my focus is definitely I really want to release more music from South America, like, because that's where I'm from. So that's a big focus now. Um, and yeah, and then also the biggest focus is, is still just trying to release music by like people I care about and like close friends, people around me. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's it, I would say. Mm. I would love to hear more about the artwork as well. <laughs> um, maybe you can tell everyone about Queen Tangerine, which is the illustration project that you started sharing in lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, but is really... painting something that you've always done? Yes. I feel like I haven't really kept up my, my, my Instagram. My Queen Tangerine Instagram is severely neglected. <laughs> <laughs> Literally haven't posted anything for months because now I've gone back to full Shanti Celeste mode. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually went to uni in Bristol to do illustration ah. to UE, but I quit after a year because I just, I don't think university was for me in hindsight. Um, but I do love, I do love painting and drawing um, and just creating imagery generally. Um, and I felt like it was something that was definitely like I wasn't doing enough of, so... Um, in lockdown when I had nothing to do I then just picked it back up and like bought loads of paints different types of paints different types of brushes and just started like messing around and painting and getting inspired and yeah and then and then just sharing it <laughs> like why not <laughs> um, but yeah it's just another creative outlet um Obviously, like during the pandemic, my main creative outlet, um, which is DJing, um, was taken away from from us all, <laughs> and um, and I just needed something else, like aside from making music. Um, I just like making things, and I I feel like it really it just helps me. Um, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel stimulated. It makes me feel relief makes you feel a lot of things so I just I felt like I just needed to do it at that time mm. and the images that you create they radiate positivity <laughs> <laughs> yay it's nice to look through them all now because you've got a big collection and it's yeah glowing with positivity oh, um you. just to finish off do you have any tips for anyone that wants to try either music production or painting but they don't really see themselves as an artist you know where could they begin if you feel like you want to try it obviously you already have an inkling as to 
what something that you might want to try you know what I mean it's not like you're like I want to try something or you might or you might be in that case there's other advice I could give but if you already have an inkling as to what you might want to try I would just say if you have the means and you have the time or if you can make time just try it and don't be don't expect like a really amazing result instantly but just try it and keep at it and like you know and if you have and don't have really high expectations just like do it because it makes you feel good um because I feel like it's really easy to be like I want to do this and then you kind of you want it to be perfect straight away and when it isn't then you go off the idea you know what I mean but that's not what it's about it's not always about the end result there's about the end result it's about the process and it's about what it teaches you about yourself and like sometimes if it if you do a drawing and it's not what you wanted it to be immediately research like why is it like why is it that it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to what do you want it to turn out like look for some images that like reflect that like inspire you or that are like similar to how you wanted it to turn out try and learn some techniques you know what I mean like learn about the process and like that in its in and of itself will like inspire you and it will give you ideas you know what I mean but if you feel like you want to be creative and you don't know in which way there's also I read this well I started reading this book I didn't completely read it many people will know about it like it's called The Artist's Way and it's by a woman called Julia Cameron and it's basically it's a book which is aimed at just like anyone who feels like they might have a creative within them but they don't know how to get it out and like you could be a lawyer you could be like you know just doing the most opposite of a creative job as possible but like like in that she believes that like everyone can channel it and everyone can like be creative and the book is like a workbook um and it just talks about a lot of her views on creativity and it gives you like exercises that you can do to like unlock it lots of people have done it and read it and a lot it's been like really successful and it's like really helped a lot of people like I know a lot of people also who have read half of it and not finished all the exercises but there's still even those people have enjoyed doing some of the exercises and you know what I mean it's like there's there's things that you can do to to spark like that um like if you want to be creative then you can but maybe you might have to aid yourself to get there in some way either by reading a book like this or going to galleries or I don't know going to gigs you know anyway yeah that's mm, my that's my a two, good tip that's my two cents <laughs> thank you um well shanti celeste thank you so much i've really enjoyed this chat so thank you very much for visiting me us. too thanks for letting me waffle <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to resident advisors exchange with shanti celeste our full archive is available for you to take in anytime you like Just follow The Exchange on your favourite podcast platform. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to our recent Critics Roundtable, where RA staff discuss the best new music. Until the next one, take care.